today still wanted by the government. They survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help you, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the AT. suck you could play more of that kind of stuff all right so this is another attempt at a q a for our patreon people see the potatoes jumped in here did you get the link from patreon then you get in here some through some other loophole he's not answering so i'm not sure what's going on you might not even be, be i got it in my email from patreon Right on. So I don't even think about it, but I guess that goes out to email. So that's plenty of opportunity for people to join in. So I've seen people do these uh, Q&A videos. And it's not my thing, but I figured I'd put it out there since we've got a whole bunch of new uh, supporters over on Patreon. So first off, I'm going to start with uh, taking a look over there. Um, I'm assuming because the Yankees on channels telethon the other day in his efforts, we've had 28 people uh, support us over on Patreon, 28 additional people. So that, is, that brings us up to just about 200 people. Pretty awesome. We have about this, the average, um, whatever you want to call it. So that means it's about $800 a month. That's about $50 up from last month. So it's freaking awesome. And uh, I'm hoping to use that along with uh, um, funds that were raised in Yankees telethon thing to bring Jimmy on and we're working to change gun channels a little bit, add some functionality to it, add some features to it. Anyway, because of that, I uh, figured I'd uh, do one of these Patreon thing or play with Patreon a little bit and uh, create a Q&A session for anybody that might be you know, interested in that. I know that Yankee and Matt like to do them, so I'm assuming some of these people coming over from Yankee might be interested in something like that. I see Roosted out there saying he's not a Patreon. Things are tight right now. Yeah, tell me about it, dude. I don't have any money. Money I have is from Patreon, so I totally understand what it's like. Um, but don't worry about it. You're obviously spending a lot of time chatting and whatnot. Appreciate the uh, support of Gun Channel. So that's really uh, as much or as valuable for me because really uh, Gun Channels is a worthy effort. So appreciate it. Anyway, so I'm watching the comments coming in on the Gun Channel side. I'm going to take a second to explain it again. Um, Gun Channels is a community we built a while back. Uh, I built it along with this guy named Ralph, and he uh, is no longer really doing much with it. So uh, it's pretty much on my shoulders to run the thing. Uh, I'm pretty good at running things online and uh, whatnot, and I'm, I'm all about keeping up with what's new. However, I'm not a spaz. I don't look for new things just to have new things. And I've been around the block a few times, so I'm not looking to try every new gadget or save a dollar everywhere. I'm also not pretty frugal, so I'm not spending a bunch of money. All that setup is that, you know, it's me running it. I get help from Clover, who understands the nuts and bolts of gun channels as well. Uh, Night Strike, you know, a couple other people are helping out with it behind the scenes. But for the most part, um, the uh, things like uh, updates and uh, overall strategic shit all falls on somebody's back, and that's mine right now. So the um, reason I'm explaining all that is there's this chat room thing. So when you go to the channels on Gun Channels and you have a, a channel set up for your um, area of interest or your project or whatever it is you might do, maybe just a conversation that you have. I see Smeggy out there. Smeggy usually just has conversations going on on his channel. 
Um, so when you have a channel, there's one element of it is the live chat room. So technically, gun channels is one thing we pay for online, and the chat room is a separate thing we pay for online. And for the last five years, it's worked pretty well in harmony with the way that we include YouTube videos and everything. However, its recent update here around February or March or whatever that was of this year, they changed it into, I don't know what to call it. I've never experienced such a chunky messaging system, but something very much more like a Snapchat or something like a very temporary member-based thing, not chat room-based. So because of that, the little widget, the code that you plug into a site or a page like this on gun channels uh, would, instead of showing a chat room, would show a buddy list. And it would just be a way to communicate with other people. And then you have to really dig in and find where the chat room is. And because there's no way to just poke you right to the chat room, I've decided to leave the old code up here that people are familiar with. And because it's old code, it doesn't update automatically. It requires you to go up and hit the refresh on your browser. And of course, nobody's chatting over there, so it's difficult to illustrate it. But if we were watching down here in the uh, chat, I'm going to call this we call this thing bar down here, I guess, uh, that's at the bottom of the screen. Uh, when you go down and click on the chat rooms tab of that bar, you're going to get another version of the chat room, and this one does update automatically. You don't need to refresh anything as people type. And if anybody was on gun channels actually typing while I'm typing here, we would actually see that illustrated. But in any case, I figured I'd take a minute to mention that, that the reason that is like that isn't because I'm a dick, and it isn't because I like to screw with people. It's because we're in a situation where this is uh, changed, and we don't always get to choose the way that companies take directions, you know, take their companies. So uh, it means that I'm going to need to spend some time looking for a different chat system for sure, uh, unfortunately. And uh, maybe it's an opportunity to save some money. Either way, with Jimmy coming on board next month, I'm hoping to be able to take some time to do that. So there we go. So we're uh, doing a Q&A thing. And uh, if anybody wants to uh, ask questions, now's the time. Everybody has to come in and say hello to each other. Um, and I remember uh, listening to a couple of different radio shows as a kid and, uh, you know, back before the internet, you know, radio shows were a thing, especially if you had any kind of job where you could listen to a radio, right? There was different disc jockeys and shit that would do, um, I guess, talk shows, right? And, and some of them would just get upset when people would call in and go, hey, how are you doing? You ever seen a radio show person get into that? So um, anyway, I can understand it because when you're doing this kind of stuff quite a bit, everybody coming in and saying hello, that happens a lot. Can anybody ask questions? Yeah, that's sort of the point. So I'm going to keep watching the comments over here on the gun channel side as they're coming in, and they're not, so we'll uh, also pay attention to the YouTube side. But I'm going to go back over to Patreon to see if anybody's actually chatting over there at all. So Patreon lets you do this thing as a live stream, but really they're just working off of, um, what do you call it? They're just working off of YouTube, and there's no additional chat or anything here. I don't care if I put it over here. Here's the post, and here's probably a mirror image of me doing this, right? But uh, there's no extra chat or anything, so it's not like Patreon does much. I guess it does alert people, so uh, Potato said he got an email, so maybe that's alerted some people. I did one earlier today, and nobody showed up. I sat there for two hours, so I don't know if the alert didn't go out or if it was just a bad time to do it. But uh, 
Do you open a chat? What does that mean? Do you open a chat? Getting terrible service on my phone right now. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for jumping in, but uh, it also jumped out, I guess. So, um, how do you open a chat? I'm not sure what you mean by that, Wood. So, if you want a link to jump in here, you're more than welcome. See if I see over on the gun channel side there. And no, I do not see over there. So, all right. So I'm going to get back to work here. One of the things I'm doing is getting the uh, cards figured out here. So I'm trying to get them into a way where people can uh, check them out. Um, let me proof them, edit them. People are interested. Super boring, so I guess I'll hit this button. The Fourth Invasion by Henry Josephs. Dr. Clayton's face was impassive as a marble mask when he turned to young Corelli. For a moment, the little group stood there in embarrassed silence in the classroom, shifting uneasily from one foot to another, feigning interest in the paperweights upon Clayton's desk, or in the utterly uninspiring scenes on the sidewalk outside the window. You say, Corellin, that you saw three or Martian ships, and you described them. Corelli blinked as he felt the weight of his colleague's eyes boring into him. I didn't say they were Martian, sir, only that they seemed to be unearthly. And they were not the conventional saucer-shaped things. They acted like saucers skipping the water. That's what made me think that... All right, so Patriots actually participating. Thanks. What was your favorite book when you were a kid? Uh, would have probably been a series of those How Things Work books. Somebody gave me one of those, and I started digging those. A couple of different, I guess, companies or publishers put out books on how things work. So I don't know where I got the idea, but at some point I said, I'm not going to own nothing unless I know how it works. So uh, I would you know, get a general idea how a TV works or how a radio works or how uh, I don't know, anything I was going to buy, how it would work. Those are pretty neat. They didn't go into much detail, but it was mostly schematics and just general, you know, maybe like how an internal combustion engine, you know, just giving you the general description of how the energy goes through it. So, well, a 338 Federal just go right through. I don't know what that is. So what's your favorite experience in the Scouts? I don't know. It probably was different when I was a kid. It was probably exciting to uh, do stuff that was different than everybody else was doing um, when you're a kid what are your options like sit around well back then it was sit around do nothing go outside and hang out with your friends in the area you don't really get to pick them so I was in a pretty populated suburb so I guess you know you, you, you didn't have to necessarily choose just a couple of friends like if I was it would have been more rural I think it would have been a little bit different but you know I could walk past one kid's house I didn't like and go hang out with somebody else I did like I didn't you know we had enough people around that we could hang out who we wanted to uh, but even then, that was just, you know, that's about all you could do, right? So then on weekends, depending on what your friends were doing, you know, you had 
X amount of stuff to do. So you could do sports, I guess, and I never cared about sports ever. So uh, for me, it was just something to do that was more interesting than the other options, which I guess for us would have been actually quite a few, but uh, mostly sports, that kind of thing. And uh, once I got into scouts, um, I really enjoyed the, everything about the, well, I don't know what to call it, like the organization part of it, where you're in a troop and that troop does stuff and there's other troops, and you're sort of in competition with them, sometimes more directly than other times, but you definitely knew of their progress or their results of whatever effort everybody was doing. So you had ways to judge your results, which was good, and they let us do everything. Or, you, know, they, you did everything. So I really started to enjoy just getting stuff done and being productive, and oh, I just really enjoyed it. <clears throat> I guess I enjoyed that part of it the most. <clears throat> uh, then we did some really, we accomplished some really good things. A lot of the troops around us would, at summer camp, they would go to the, everybody would go to the same place. And that was pretty boring, going to the same summer camp. Maybe it was better than nothing. But going to the same place is every time, or as everybody else, you, I don't know, you fall into this dynamic. And our troop, I guess it was in different troops, but the one troop, uh, would really put a lot of effort into raising money and go on a real high adventures trip, trip each year, or not every year, maybe every other couple of years. So uh, we ended up making the money, preparing all the stuff, and getting ourselves to the Boundary Waters, which is where Minnesota and Canada meet up. And probably the oldest kids were something in high school, and the youngest of us were however young you are when you start scouts, so probably bottom end of high school, but a bunch of kids basically all efforted it all and ended up, I think we were up there for like two weeks or more. It was a long trip, so we all figured if we are going to spend the money, let's spend time up there. We basically uh, got on uh, boat canoes and headed north. Yeah, me on YouTube, fucking talk about guns then, what the fuck? Being part of a conversation and then acting like you don't have any involvement in the conversation. So anyway, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, being part of that as a group and then seeing things accomplished. And, you know, it's not always good stuff. Sometimes you have to be part of, uh, you have to deal with being part of the weak links in the change suit. So all that was useful. I was doing fine. Oh, I see. You're like a little weird, morbid thing. Yeah, if you want to talk about guns in here, talk about adult shit. If you want to talk about theoretical stupid shit, there's tons of channels where you can go do that. We're not desperate for viewers. Certainly not desperate for people. No, we're not going to answer. I'm not going to answer that kind of question. I'm not obligated to nothing. I'll answer questions that are useful. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Go back and over to gun channels here. How do you open a live chat? I don't know how to do that. Like, if no one has a chat. Yeah, okay. So, give you a link over here if you want to jump in. So, we have Cycle and Russell link since they're sitting right there. Not doing anything. Link, he never jumps in though. He only plays video games. Hey, G. 
Yep. So I can't hear you. You have to speak way louder now. Okay. Hey, G, how are you? So, um, you know how to start a live thing on your YouTube channel? No. All right. So you have, you know how to post a video on your YouTube channel? Yes. All right. So, um, let's say you go to your YouTube channel and you go to your creator studio, which is the same place. Well, you're familiar with this area, like checking your comments and raking in the money. Not really, no, to be honest with you. But right. I can so when you're on, well, how do you post your videos then from your phone? Yeah, I, I don't really ever post videos, so that's kind of where I'm. I'm, you know, like I'm new, so I don't really know how to do all that. Oh, I thought you said you did post videos. So um, when you're, how do you use YouTube? You just go to YouTube and look around for stuff. I yeah, guess. I look around and watch Daily Gun Show is how I started with you guys in the first place. I was just watching Daily Gun Show forever, and then, right uh, and then you guys talked about gun channels, and then I became part of the gun channel community, and it's fucking awesome. But you can see my screen then. Yeah, totally. So when you're on YouTube, uh, at least on my screen, I don't know, maybe other browsers are different and maybe Macintoshes are different, right? I know, whatever, but when they're yeah, apples, whatever the hell they're called now. Um, but on this one, you go to the right, you click on it. Assuming you only have one user account, all this other shit is just my other users, right? You're going to get this thing that says Creator Studio. So once you're logged in, you automatically have an ability to create videos or post stuff on YouTube. You just might not have taken advantage of it. And this is like the entrance. You go in and click Creator Studio, and it's going to take you to where you can post and then manage your videos, right? And then things like comments and stuff. Now, mine looks a little different because I'm running a, a an application on my browser, which is bringing up some additional stats and things. So I'm guessing my window looks a little different than yours, especially over here on the left. I have additional menus. Let me see if I can tell this thing to shut off somehow. Probably this. So, can I just log out, I guess? And then refresh, and then maybe all that stuff will disappear. Yeah, so this will be a little bit closer to what you're seeing. So I had some additional info being displayed, like additional dashboards. So when you log in, you're going to get... Oh, wait, I still am getting these additional dashboards. Dang it. Come on. I think I am. Anyway, you're going to want to come down here to uh, live streaming. So you've got the first thing is going to be your videos. Uh, the second one is going to be live streaming. Okay. I'm clicking on it. And when you open up live streaming, there's some options. And I go to the one called events down here. Okay. I'll follow you there. All right. So then there's nothing here it'll have a bigger button that says start a new event otherwise you can go up to the top here and click on new event now alternatively there's always other other ways to do things let's say that you logged into your creator studio here i think you can just go right up to this little camera and say go live that's a little bit different. Okay, not quite the way you want to do because that goes straight to your camera. It's trying to do too much at once, maybe. So go back over here to oops, live streaming, and then once that opens up, events. Once that opens up, you click new live event or start a new event. I think it says something like that when it's empty. And then you start just filling it out like you would any kind of form. Uh, give it a title. I have it set up to auto-fill some of my stuff. That's one of the settings on your YouTube channel. Okay. So repetitive stuff, 
you know, it just saves you some time. So I have it set up to include basically like, let's call it a, a template of what the shows might be. So then I go in here and I like, if it's a Monday show, I remove the Tuesday through Friday template stuff. And then I've got all the rest of my stuff and my links and I don't have to waste time. I don't know if it even saves me time because I have to edit it a lot. But basically, you, I've got some stuff here. Normally, it would be blank. You're going to type in a title. You know, you're going to uh, give it a description. All that's important, but I guess for now, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, over here is what's going to be pushed out to uh, Twitter. So I'll usually put a link to for like this kind of show. If I'm posting it on gun channels, and I know it's going to be on the Daily Gun Show's page over on gun channels or channel over on gun channels then I'll put that in under my Twitter thing. So then the Twitter gets alerted to go watch it over here. Okay. I guess also uh, Google Plus. Anyway, whenever you figure out what you want for your tags and your description or what, uh, then you give it a time. So if you want it to just go live right now, if you don't really do anything, you just hit go live. Or uh, what I'll often do is set it up ahead of time. So maybe if you know you're gonna go live in an hour, you set this thing for an hour from now, uh, you can some you can give it an end time if you want doesn't matter you can give this thing i'm gonna i'm gonna set up a show let's say for next tuesday at nine o'clock or whatever and it's gonna be a three-hour show i can set all that up and and then it'll just be in the calendar waiting and that's how you'll see sometimes when you go to somebody's live event it'll say you know, like a countdown clock 45 minutes out or an hour out or maybe three days out so you can set them up for now or in the future uh, whenever, let's say I'm going to refresh this page so that it'll just default to all the basic settings again. But if I wanted to just launch it now, you know, give it a thing, whatever, and then hit go live, two things are going to happen. It's going to, I don't know what it's going to do for me. It's going to open up a new thing, which is the room that we're in right now. And it's telling me I'm already in one, so I'm just going to close it for now. But let's act like this window opened successfully. Okay. And then it's also going to open this. So if you if you close that thing accidentally, this is the button that brings that little room back. And that's the room that me and you and Cycle Camp are in right now. It's trying to open up a second one. And it won't let me log on with two at the same account right now. So uh, I'm going to close that again. But then I've got the video. So this is the room that we're in, the live room. This is the video where the audience is going to be. So I can click on that. And I've already put all this information in there. This is all that boilerplate that was in my description that I chose not to delete. Right. I, mean, I could have edited that or manipulated it, and then that would be there for the video. So it would be great if you had like a, a guest or if you were going to talk about something, you could put as much information as it would be relevant to this particular video there. That way, if it is scheduled for in the future, people can see, um, you know, maybe links or something to get started. I know that uh, Budget Guns in here does a good job of not only putting it all in his description, setting it all up, but he'll send out an email to people with that same info. So you've gone to all the work of setting it all up and uh, typing all this, throw that in an email, blind copy everybody that might be interested in joining the show. Then maybe they get some idea of what you're going to be talking about and then a couple of leads to do some research so that they come with more info on what you're talking about uh, for that kind of show. And then, of course, if it's just an impromptu thing, just click live, 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 click on. And then once you've got this open right now you've got your stupid youtube chat over here which is basically archaic and bloated and slow and clunky it's like using a rusty razor blade you know to shave your pubes but whatever you've got that and it's free so some people like it but you can take this link the url to the video and go back over to gun channels which is one of the better places to be on the internet right and you go over here and you find your channel that you want to post it on 
let's say you were Ellis, the olden Ellis, the one who still believes in a round earth, and you click on his edit overview thing here, which is a link to let you edit your page or your channel on gun channels. Uh, he likes to keep his continuously going. So that was his show, another show, another show. So I'm just going to go after that one, click. I'll hit enter on my keyboard, right? And I'm going to click on this little guy. I'm going to put that URL in from the video that we created. And then when I'm all done, you know, make sure it looks the way I want it to. Boom. Now it's saved over there. I can go back to the channel. And there it is. It's ready to go. Uh, you know, if it was going to be in the future, you might want to go back over and edit your video. And once you can edit it, you'll get a chance to screw with the... Oh, actually, you have to turn this thing back on. One of the reasons I run this software... Uh-oh. Uh, is I can put a thumbnail in there. And that's why this video has that crazy picture like this. So I could, if this was something I was going to schedule for next Tuesday, I might, instead of putting a dumb picture there, say, next Tuesday, you know, July 30th or something, 7 p.m. Eastern, so that people would know if they came across it early what time it's actually going to happen. So that's how you create it on YouTube, how you get to your page on YouTube, and then you get to your show on YouTube and then how you take it over to your gun channels and how you uh, embed it into the your channel page so that it's there for your people that want to chat with you on the gun channels. And then how do you, you take that same link and you put it in the description if you want other people to join you? So if we want people to join us, we left this other thing before. Remember that one that got that kept getting popped up? Like if I go back a couple of pages here, you know, when I click on, oops, when I click on that little guy, or yeah. when I first created the room and this thing popped up, I can't get into it because we're in one. Yeah. Instead, I'll just bring the one that we're in over here. So what I'll do is it comes up in that pop-up. I'll take the URL because I can't stand it being in a pop-up, and I'll close the damn URL, and I'll just open it up as one of my tabs in my browser here. So it's just, you know, now it's incorporated like a regular web page. Uh, but I can either take that link and send it to people, right, just like I did to you. Right. Or as the person who created the room, it's a little tough to see because of the way it's screen sharing right now. I guess I can't turn that off. I just wouldn't see it. But this little guy on the oops, wrong one. Uh, this little guy on the menu bar, the one that looks like a little face, I guess, uh, that brings up a short link, we call it. And some people who have, like, iPhones and other devices that don't work good, you have to give them that little short link. So that's how you give a person a link to the room that we're in right now, having the chat. Well, thank you, G. I'm going to give it a shot here in the next couple of days. Right on. <laughs> so I think I delete. I made a show, so now I'm going to take that show and delete it. And make sure I didn't screw up Ellis's round earth channel over there. Still good. Still round. And we'll refresh over here. See if anybody's chatting. And that was your question. And get back to work over here. So I don't know if you guys have any other questions. Otherwise, uh, I don't know. Just trying to do it like I was saying, an attempt at doing a Q&A for the uh, Patreon people. 
I close all my YouTube windows. Yep, well, you know me, I'm not interested in dead air, so I don't know if you guys have anything else to chat about. Oh, no, I, I appreciate it, man. I just wanted to kind of ask that question. Uh, Cycle Camp, you got something? No, not really. Back over to the YouTubes, see if anybody say anything. Um, most liked motor vehicle I've had would be the van. Um, mainly because I own it and I have it at a time in my life when I can use it the best. So I've liked my El Camino a lot, but it wasn't my favorite El Camino anyway. And I couldn't do nothing with it because I was working nine to, well, you know, a lot. So I couldn't even enjoy it when I owned it. And uh, yeah, now I finally have something that I think I get a lot of use out of. And I just like driving it around. What about you guys? You got a vehicle that you've liked most? 67 Dodge Dart. What? was my favorite. It's my first real uh, car that I could actually drive on the street. I had lot cars before that, but that was the first one I ever had that I could take on the street. And uh, it had manual brakes, and we put our own power steering in it. And uh, I drove that car for years and years and years until my ex-wife took it head-on into a tractor trailer. There, right? Yeah, I just lost. That's how I lost the front top teeth that I had. But he's doing, he's, uh, we weren't married at the time. I had to marry her to get her off the street, obviously, to you know, save the world. That's nice of you. Yeah, mine had happened my great old car. Oh, go ahead. The, the, just a great car, a 225 Slant 6. I think it got like 27 miles at a gallon or something. It was just a fantastic four-door. Mine was a two-tone with a black vinyl roof, so it was blue with a black vinyl roof. And it was just a great car. You know, you could put six people in it fairly comfortably because it had bench front seats, and it was just a just a fabulous car. Go ahead, p and uh, Mine would have to be... It's going to sound kind of weird because it's not the greatest car, but my 1973 Ford Maverick, if I had a coming-at-age movie, it would be titled 73 Maverick and all the antics we did in high school and thereafter in that car. As a teacher now, I can't really disclose all the things that we did in there, but it was a lot of fun. And that car ran and ran and ran, and I was never nice to it, and it just kept going. That Those Ford straight sixes, you can't fucking kill them. Well, that brought me to a couple of questions. So I guess, again, anybody who is a Patreon supporter is welcome to jump in and participate. There's a link over here on Patreon to watch on gun channels or to join. You're encouraged and welcome to join in. Um, and, of course, anybody who's watching on the old bloated YouTube platform over there, we're still watching that rusty chat over there. If you want to type in there, I guess you still can. Or if you want to text us or fax us, you know, any of these old platforms will work. Um, but how many cars have you owned? I'm guessing we're all pretty old. How many cars? Just a number, if you can. I uh, probably ten, fifteen. Really? And then no, much, much fewer than ten. I'm trying to think. Cars that I've personally owned. Five or six, I think, for me. 
seven if you count the two vans. Yeah, I'm really hard on cars. So when they're used cars with me, they're used up. They leave, they buy, they leave me and go to the junkyard usually. When we were, uh, when I was a kid, I joined early. So I knew a couple other guys that joined the military or the army early. And we got, they got bonuses for it. And um, the one dude, he lived in Wyoming. And that dude had a pickup. And then he had a crazy pickup, like a, at the time, it was cool to soup up cars like Back to the Future or something, like a little Japanese pickup all four-wheel drive looking, kind of more for looks than anything. But he had a real pickup for work, and they had that thing. He had a Baja Volkswagen, and he had a, a really, really, really nice Mustang. And then I think he had something else. So he had like five cars, you know, you know like 17. I don't think, you know, so I don't know, a couple of people like that over the years. Yeah, I just I just went through my list mentally again, and it, it's more than ten. But that's because when I turned uh, in my thirties, I always had at least two, and after I turned thirty-five, I always had at least three because I always had a sports car, a a uh, a regular driving around car, and a, a pickup truck, which is like what I have now. I have a sports car, a regular driving car, and a pickup truck. So I started doing that when I was 35 and I've been doing that ever since pretty much. So I've always had two or three cars since I was, uh, since I was, uh, 35 or so. So cycle camp is only counting cars. He's not counting any more cycles. Oh, I'm not counting the bikes. No, no. I have three bikes too, but I've so. had, I've had two bikes for right up until about five years ago. And now I've got three. All right, so Roosted is now saying, having trouble with the lower chat bar, but greetings. So the trouble might be that when you jump in for the first time, the cookie hasn't followed you, I guess. So when you join in, you know, chat for the first time, I'm going to go over and find Henry had a gaming one going. So when I go in there for the first time, kind of random. Sometimes it catches up, sometimes it doesn't. But see, it's still on Daily Gun Show, which is probably where I had this. So then what I do is I hit refresh once. And then I go down and look. Oh, so it didn't catch. So I'll go back here and hit refresh. And he's got it actually on the hit or miss. So boom, it hit. So I guess if you want to call that trouble, that's great. But just we'll have systems and so people can address them. And then we'll have like a, probably like a troubleshooting board so people can see. So you don't have to. Uh, get frustrated when issues are known issues and stuff like that. Closing out of there, going back over to here. Oh, look, now i got the same issue, so I'll have to refresh. And go. So how to open a live chat, we did this one just got that so then we'll go back over to that youtube side there's actually another gun one i had there what was that how many vehicles and then oh okay it was less of a question like a personal question more of a theoretical question i guess but you guys are typically down for having that kind of discussion um i'm thinking because i wasn't alive that in the 50s it was uh, 
you know, the cars were happening, and I don't know what the deal was, but it seemed like, at least from the movies, the kids had access to jalopies, to, like, old cars. They could put them together. They could get them running. Nobody really cared. And there was all kinds of adventures to be had, I guess, back in those days. Then you get into the 70s, and you get your muscle cars, and kids at all different levels are able to afford them and, you know, keep different cars at different levels going. Then you get to, I don't know, I fast forward to when I was a kid, and there was fewer and fewer kids putting together their own cars and stuff it was more of like getting some kind of a job so you could just go buy some kind of old used car and then have that kind of car and you know maybe you worked on it but it wasn't you know putting together cars from junkyards and stuff and now from what i understand fast forward into now most people i know who have kids tell me that their kids aren't even interested in driving it's they don't all have driver's licenses they don't drive around so that means that the culture right has changed from a lot of driving and the uh, highway system and drive-through restaurants and the Route 66 and vacations and vehicles, you know, all that stuff, that part of culture that came from driving. Is that going to start changing because of this whole, like, or is this an indication of the change? But anyway, uh, kids ain't going to have the same kind of, kind of adventures we had driving all around, I suspect, right? Yeah, I can only attest to my, my uh, two stepkids who are, 23 and 24 and it seems like they never really drive to anywhere like when i was their age i would just drive around to drive around me and my buddies would all pile in a car and we would just like drive to mount rainier because it was there i don't see the kids that i know doing that i'm not saying no kids do that but i don't see them doing that so much they always do stuff inside well you did it to do it though so i mean if whatever that means like there wasn't cell phones you weren't checking in it was an adventure so you went to mount rainier but you did it to see what would happen and whatever kind of adventure would happen would add to your life story or whatever. I mean, you weren't doing it just to say you've been around here so that you could get away for a weekend and basically have adventure. Yeah. No, I, I think it was more going for a drive was like reading a book or, or watching a TV or it was just one of those list of things to do. And for kids, it got you out of the house. So we would, I mean, we would just go pick up our friends from school and just drive around and do stuff. You know, we'd do stupid shit like go to five-way intersections and do Chinese fire drills and stuff like that. Amen. Done a bunch of those. Yeah. Yeah. It was not, well, I guess TV wasn't a type of thing where on demand. You couldn't just sit there and watch TV. So there was no reason to do that. There wasn't even VCRs really for the most part until I was in high school. And then... uh right it gave you something to do and you could get the hell out of dodge so you didn't have to be stuck whatever boring place you lived you could go someplace that seemed interesting somewhere else yeah and the, the price of gas was a lot less i don't i don't know if you would still consider it proportional to the average wage nowadays but i wouldn't i mean i don't i i remember making you know a couple bucks an hour and i think gas was like 27 cents a gallon so it, it was you know not a very large percentage of my hourly pay to do that um, whereas now, you know, gas is up in the $3 range over here in Connecticut. And, and, uh, you know, for guys that are making, you know, eight fifty, ten fifty an hour, that, that, that's a big chunk of cash. I mean, you can't just be throwing that stuff away. Yeah. I also, remember. I think oh, when sorry. I first moved out to Arizona early or late eighties, I guess, um, early nineties, I don't know, whatever. Um, but when I actually started moving out, living out here, we didn't even think to drive to Vegas. That eight-hour drive each way, didn't even think about it for the price of gas, at least. You know, we thought I had to worry about the time. But we had time. We didn't even think about the cost of gas. I think it was, but I can't remember because it wasn't even significant, like you say, compared to how much we were making at whatever hourly rate we were making. 
and, and I think time has a lot to do with it now. I pe I think people prioritize their time a lot, a lot bigger now. And just driving around is not big on the list of things to waste your time with, you know. So it's kind of sad. As far as the the car stuff, I mean, shit. I remember we had a we had a car club at the local church where the guy from the local gas station told us how you know, explain how motors and transmission worked and how carburetors worked and all that kind of crap. I remember spending a whole summer once a week going down there and spending an hour or two tearing that stuff apart. And when I first started driving, I had three cars. I had the car I, I was driving, the car that had just broke, and the car that I was just about done fixing. And that was the only way I could afford to keep it on the road. Is it also that nowadays that kids, their socialization is so electronically based, like when they play video games, they play with other people, but a bunch of like, they're always on their phone or always is probably too strong of a word, but oftentimes they're, even when they're out doing something, they're sitting there looking at their phone and talking to their friends. Um, and they don't go out in groups anymore because the groups are online. Yeah, people are more connected and less, uh, and and less. Uh, I'm trying to think of a better word for that, but that it, you don't have to hang out with people because that's all you get. You can go online, like you say, and yeah. have a virtual set of friends that have the same exact interests. I guess that you have. Right, but it's more impersonal. Is what I'm what I'm trying to get at. And and now I mean, would you would you take a gal joy riding? You know, for three or four hours at night. You shit, the next thing you know, she'd be claiming you raped her, and, you, you know, that'd be the end of you. Hmm, that's a good point. Yeah, totally good point. You want to, though. That's the thing. Only chicks even want to go just drive around. And, and the, the car thing about people building cars and stuff, you can blame that directly on the title and motor vehicle registry. Because it used to be, you could just go to a, you could just go to a, what do you call it, a junkyard, and put together a car, bring it in, get a plate for it, and drive it around. You didn't, none of this bullshit. Got to have a clear title. Got to have original this. Got to have original that. You know, it, it was a lot easier way back when. And emission testing and things like that as well. Oh yeah, don't didn't even think of that. And I, I think, you know, to some extent, I I think the same thing is true of guns. You know, used to, I mean, shit, when you could go to the hardware store and, you know, go and get a barrel of Mosins and pick one out of a barrel for 15 bucks, you know, people were willing to grab one and, and play with it and, and gunsmith it or cut it down or whatever they're going to do. And people just don't do that kind of stuff anymore because it's just too expensive. And they're, it's just not worth their time. Is that because we're more of a disposable society nowadays? We just want it already done. Well, and there's a lack of skills. There's no, how many kids? How many kids take shop? There's no thirty-five dollar no guns anymore. I don't know how many kids take shop, but they certainly have YouTube videos. So anybody that has an interest has no barriers to pursuing it anymore. Yeah, but there's a there's a big difference between watching a YouTube video and and cranking up. Uh, 
you know, a chop saw or, or, uh, or, uh, what do you call it? A bandsaw or that kind of thing. I mean, who even has access to equipment like that anymore? I mean, I got a, I got a basement full of it, but your average kid, you know, people just don't do stuff for themselves anymore. Like I, you know, like you said, it's a, it's a disposable economy, buy it, throw it away, buy it, throw it away. Sorry, I grabbed a handful of these cherries, and that's not the best thing to eat while I'm doing a podcast. Well, what are you going to do, not eat the cherries? That's what I'm saying. So what was your favorite movie scene in a drive-in? I don't know. I don't know what you mean, but like a scene about a drive-in? Um, if I was in a drive-in and I actually watched the movie, I wasn't doing what I wanted to do in the drive-in. That's a very good point. We're either farting around or screwing around. No, I went as a kid. So, you know, for us, it was uh, kids' movies and stuff. But well, no, I, when we I, went, can't, I can't remember the last time I saw a movie in a drive in. But as kids, it was all like, either, it was the best times is when whoever had a pickup would drive us in there, back it up, and then you're all sitting there, you know, kind of sitting on a couch. But for us, it was because I don't know, like our parents were, we would have like, baggies of popcorn or some kind of crap that we would make because they're cheap and it was all about saving money i guess so we were spending half the damn movie divvying up our loot and then running all around we didn't hardly even watch the movies usually i was a little kid i mean yeah i agree with that when i was a little kid i don't think i ever watched the movie my Not dad my dad okay. a palace in that country squire a good old big green 40 ad I think yeah. I should give my mom a break for a couple hours. It was usually a couple of the parents, and they just, I think, went there to get drunk, you know, drink beers and watch whatever dumb movie, but they just let us go run around. I can remember my dad just wandering off with his friend, and we were just sitting in the truck, or we would sit in that thing with the back down, and we'd be supposedly watching the movie. We, were, we knew that we just had to stay by the car, but I'm assuming my dad ran off and had a beers with his buddy. Um, not so many questions coming in as much as, uh, conversation, I guess. So, you know, continuing off what we're talking about on Dutch asked about a pistol under a thousand dollars. So here's my answer to that. Um, I don't have any money to buy stuff right now, so I'm not looking. So I have no idea. And I have little interest, um, only because I have mine already and I haven't been shopping for them or whatever. So I would like to effort back at something that we had in the past. Is there any way to look at that? I wonder. So um, if you ever want to go back in time, you go to the Wayback Machine on the internet. It's pretty fun. You can go back and look at what stuff used to look like on the internet. And we're going to go back to a little site my first website project so back in the day when we would uh when we started online i was actually i can remember the first time i thought about doing a website was at aol and those stories are a whole different story because i was working with millionaires it was awesome these guys had gone through three what do they call it when the stock doubles three flips or whatever it's called when the stock doubles um 
it's like it's gone whatever that's called though so they they would have made lots and lots of money and they were still making good hourly money and anyway so i was sitting next you know elbow to elbow with people who were making a lot of money and one of them was working on a website for a car dealership and i was like wow that's neat so uh i got the idea to start doing websites and stuff and then eventually i started doing them for people and when a client might ask for some result for their website we needed to do the xyz uh, this was back in the early days, so there wasn't like a WordPress, and we could just throw a WordPress site up and put up a template or something or some sort of plugin for the WordPress site that accomplished whatever task they wanted. We just had to figure out how to create that task. So in order to blueprint or test things or prototype stuff, you know, we'd do something of our own. So AK47.us, it looks like I must have started it back in 2003, um, a little before gun websites even. And it was an attempt to work on database work. So um, I'm a big fan of the AK-47, and I started to buy some bayonets. And as I started to ask around about bayonets, I found out about a club, a bunch of guys that had gone over and met Kalashnikov a couple of times. I got in with them, and I really got into the depth of info. If you haven't paid attention to my stuff, I'm all about the knowledge base of these different guns and stuff so anyway it looks like the first stuff was me just kind of reposting a bunch of uh, probably uh, Russia there was a site in Russia called what was it called guns.ru sons of bitches so the communists had been kicking the shit out of us on the internet back in the day that bothered me so I stole all the communist shit and put it up here but that's not my style to just do that so I'm gonna have to jump forward to end of 2003 maybe at some point I, I needed to do some kind of database thing for somebody so I was like oh I need to practice so why the hell can I get back out to the in view there we go so uh, I'll go to 2004 maybe. at some point I get the database going and I don't know if the archive will show the database or not Oh, see, I'm looking at a specific page. I just go to the main site. Uh, it's probably here with this big meat. So at some point, I built this giant database, and it was a lot of fun. And it became a really useful tool for people, I think, because there wasn't anything else like it. So where the hell would it be? This might have gone right past it. Anyhow, so uh, to answer your original question there, what do I know about the AK pistol? Not much, but I would be very interesting project to go back and rebuild my database now because back then it was a challenging thing. Where the hell is it? Um, right back then it was a challenging thing because there was a lot of AK-47s. That's when I started getting really interested in the Kalashnikov because uh, so many countries had still used it and it was kind of pushed on some of them and stolen by others. Um, but I already moved it over here? No. Anyway, now I'm trying to get too sidetracked, trying to remember all the different versions of AK-47. So I built this database, though, needless to say, and it was a lot of fun. Problem is, we built it. So just like anything you build by hand, you know, it's only going to last so long, and the software that we built it on, the, the servers that we built it on are freaking really old. They're gone, and uh, you wouldn't build it that way anymore anyway. It's crude and it was old, but it was neat. It was I was trying to find it so that we could look at it. It was just imagine a you know fairly interesting looking database that had a picture for every single variant of AK-47, and you could sort them by country or by length of barrel or caliber or all this kind of different characteristics. 
might even had it by like type of wood or uh, stocked configuration and stuff. So, you know, if you wanted to see just side folding stocks or just uh, stuff with vert grips or I don't know, whatever characteristic, you could sort by it. It was just a neat tool and it only existed from, you know, 1947, let's say, up until, I don't know, whenever I would probably looking at this list or just looking at the, the captures by the archive, by the Wayback Machine. I can get this to pop back to the calendar. We can see this little timeline up here. This is the amount of captures that it's done over the years. And you can see how it did a lot of them for a while and then it died. This is probably when a server went down. And then I probably tried to rebuild it and then the server went down again. So it kind of has lived for a few years and then died and then lived for a few years. And then now it's AQ47 Buyer's Guide. So it's, uh, it's, on, it's on its own. There's in a different place now, and basically the same software I built gun channels on. So uh, it's the least priority of all the projects, but whenever I get old or if I can eventually get to where we uh, can get everything to where there's time to do it all, uh, this is the newest innovation of that project. So to answer that question in the longest way possible, I don't know, I don't care, but I've built a place and I've been building places over the years to store that knowledge. So actually this newest version of it, anybody can go join. They can go sign up and or log in and join. And it's just like gun channels, only it's only about AK-47 stuff. So when you join over here, uh, you could start posting prices of things or sources for things. Uh, when I was interested in building uh, for maybe six months or more, I would put a monthly price list of all the different uh, parts kits. And I thought that was a pretty neat thing to create because uh, uh, AK-47 collectible or AK-47 stuff comes in waves. You know, the, some of it's dry and sometimes it's plentiful and other times it's expensive and then the next thing you know it doesn't cost anything and the thing that cost you five dollars two years ago is worth 500 today. It's really neat to, to follow that and I thought it would be, be interesting for the people eventually down the road in the future to have, you know, a monthly update of what the parts kits, parts kits had cost. It was kind of pointless because not that many people are interested. So like I say, it's least priority of anything, but I did build this place as a evolution of a forum. Forums are neat, but in my experience, the knowledge base, the people that use the forums is dependent on the, the community itself. So if the forum is a positive learning place, you'll attract people who will want to give, give up their knowledge and share. Uh, the place is a bunch of jerks, like a couple of the AK forums turned into. No one has any interest in sharing, so they just become just cesspools of misinformation and bias that just gets amplified and stuff. So that, I think they could be pretty bad. So I tried to build this as a, something like Gun Channels, where you can use it a little bit more uh, friendly to, to multimedia stuff, if you're posting videos or pictures or something, uh, to illustrate points. But it also has elements of forums in here. Uh, there's a Wikipedia-like area to archive just knowledge, uh, and hopefully it would be a bunch of people who are interested in, like, areas of collecting or history or whatever, you know, knowledge with with history. Um, uh, same thing with there's an area for collectors, so the actual stuff that is available and all the variants and stuff. Archiving it is one thing, having it in a book is one thing, but having it in a, a living community is a place where people can constantly be updating and having conversations and uh, talking about where a rivet came from or 
how come for a while they were blue and then they turned black, but then they were blue with speckles on them for a while. Uh, all that kind of stuff trickles out. And uh, over the years, like the forums, like I say, can archive that stuff. And like I say, you can get people who know a lot of stuff and can contribute. And one of the best forums, AK Forum, was owned by John. And then, you know, he couldn't afford to do it anymore. He just, his life moved on and he just couldn't do it as a hobby. He tried to put ads and that's a full-time job having, you know, trying to find ads for a, a project. So especially a project that was growing in that scale. So anyway, he ended up selling that to another place that does, that runs forums. I think they just run outdoor and gun forums and it just turned into a much different place and they strip off years worth of stuff. I mean, stuff will get stripped off accidentally all the time, but, you know, intentionally too, they'll just rip off years worth of data. Like I say, sometimes they have to because they're switching to something completely different and just no way to salvage all the sloppy stuff that was left behind from over the years. You know, that happens. Um, but uh, other times it's just to save money. They just, it's not making enough money to support all that knowledge. So this is another attempt to not just have all that knowledge, but then have it in a way that's easy to browse, surf, and then find, you know, search directly for. Um, and there's no urgency. It's not like AKs are going anywhere. But uh, thanks for asking that question because I'm never going to just answer your question instead for the last, I don't know, 14 years when I start doing this, 2003. So for the last 15 years, I've been building tools online to answer that question, to let people get together and answer the question themselves. I, I really like that. I, I don't own an AK or an AR, but I was thinking about getting an AK just to tell the governor of Washington to F you. Um, and I was checking out your buyer's guide and that was really helpful because I don't really know a lot about it. I'm, I, I don't... I don't have a problem with admitting the things I don't know. And that's what's been really nice about gun channels is like, you know, you might, you know, you get some ribbing once in a while, but people are super helpful. And like, that was super helpful. Uh, your link from the gun channels when I was checking it out. I know. Yeah, I've got a, 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 a 15 buyer's guide also. So it's, it's set up a little bit differently, uh, a lot cheaper because I did, uh, I was able to build the AK 47 buyer's guide uh, based off of a crowdfunding effort. In fact, it's about time to do something over there because of lots of reasons. So anyway, the uh, AR version of it is a lot different, a lot scaled down. But I'm looking forward to when Dead Horse has more time, or as he has time, we'll be adding to it in a more deliberate way. Uh, I started out with, I have very little interest in the AR-15, but I have a lot of respect for the AR-15 platform. For me, it's very much like the 1911. There's no way to dispute its efficiency and its value. I just don't personally like it as much as some other things. So, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for it and I do have interest in it, just not a passion that some people have. So as much as I found it for the AK stuff um, and because the AR stuff until recently was either non-existent, you couldn't find knowledge on it. Like I just thought it was, you know, I think a lot of people just thought the knowledge didn't exist. It wasn't going to exist because it was gone with stoner or something um, or that there just wasn't that much of it. It's just, a, you know, it's open, open, thing compared to the Soviet stuff. So the Soviet stuff, while well, it was an aspect of it, is it's interesting to see that stuff discovered and the people from the, the, over in Europe that collaborate or contribute to it. Uh, it's interesting to see them, like, you know, remove the fog from all that knowledge. But then every once in a while you see some uh, somebody like on uh, YouTube or whatever will interview or discover or something, an author will come up with a book that um, adds to the AR stuff. But anyway, so I've always had this, like, 
less than you know there's just not the same amount of interest in it so uh i do think it's worth putting it up it also lends itself to being put up in a different way there's not for us at least since it's our gun not collector's item it's our gun um it, it you know i set it up more from like the builder's angle so you start from the elements that you need to build the gun and then how to build it and then get out to the collectability or the history or the things where with the ak1 i just start off straight with kind of chronologically you know you start with the ak and go towards now with the uh, ar i think it's you know probably better to go the other, other way what's available now what's the best now and then go learn the history so you get a good gun in your hand first What what got you into computers in the first place, G? Like when did you? Like, when I was a little kid, my dad worked in uh, some kind of thing in the Air Force where he must have got access to computers or something got him into computers. Because one of my first things I can remember is like when you go to work with your parents, he would work at places where there was like big rooms that had computer size of refrigerators with big reel to reel tape players on the front of them. And they were like air conditioned soup. Like you had to put a coat on to go in there, and uh, you couldn't go in there, really. I mean, I got to go in there to see, experience it, but you know, they're clean rooms basically. Uh, and then they'd have giant chunks of a floor of a building to run two or three floors worth of accounting firm. Or back then, he was working for like drafting, so it was. I got to see like workstations that did computer-aided drafting and stuff. Uh, so, and that was whenever I first started to experience that stuff. Schools had already had Apple IIs kind of come in they'd have like oh, i can remember having like the apple II, <laughs> and then the next year there was like there's one for this wing like the older kids and there's one for the little kids now that the, the computer can be you know only has to be shared by like a dozen classes instead of 24 or whatever the hell it was so uh and then by the time i was in whatever school where you start walking class to class and you choose your classes like there was actually a computer class then so i've I think I grew up just as computers were being accessible. And since my parents used them, I had used computers always. Like that was, I always could have handy out computers. It was, so I always, somebody was getting rid of a computer. And there wasn't enough kids interested that, you know what I mean? I wasn't even limited with my parents. If somebody was getting rid of a computer, you just had to be interested and they'd want to give it to some kid. So I've been interested in computers from way back then. And then, I don't know, various levels since then. But I think the internet, whenever I started working for AOL and seeing what the internet could do, I was done. That's Star Trek right there. Anybody that's not paying attention isn't paying attention because we're living in one of the coolest times to live, I think, right now. How did, you, how did you fall into working for AOL? Any, can I ask that? Or? Interesting. What the hell was I doing before that? Oh, you know what I was doing? I was working at a restaurant place being their maintenance guy. And I was not happy that as a maintenance guy running 17 stores and my crews, and they were throwing the trucks on me. So there was uh, trucks that would go out. I don't remember, six trucks that would go out in the morning to supply all the stores with whatever fresh shit stores might need to serve sandwiches. Um, they were throwing, like, maintenance of them on me. And they were cheap. So, like, I was not always – I would basically – I'm cheap, so I guess I brought it on myself, but um, I would try to fix things or get qualified to fix things and then bring in somebody. Anyway, I thought I was saving them a lot of money and doing a lot of effort, and they gave me like this embarrassingly low check 
for like what do you call it, like a bonus check like just disrespectful i thought so that got me pissed you know how we are when you're young so i'm like finding a new job there's nothing they can do to fix, fix this right and i didn't like i don't know about you guys i didn't like the idea of dragging air conditioners on top of roofs in like the heat because they almost it, it seems like an air conditioner never breaks in winter for some reason they only ever break on the hottest days so dragging air conditioners up onto a roof and then getting like it just a, a rude thank you not even like not even a thank you like it can be so low to be like we really don't want you here and this is our way of saying it right so i didn't find that all that interesting so i had a friend that had gone over to aol and he was already making tons and uh and I like the idea of uh, working in, inside at a desk instead of working for a living. So let's talk about that. So AOL started out in Washington, D.C., if I remember right, not California, okay? So they started out in Washington, D.C., and it's strategic. And Cycle can jump in on this. You had to be aware of AOL growing, right? It's strategic to not have all your eggs in one basket, technically. So they want servers on various corners of the country, various pieces of the internet. And this is what, 96 to 99 is when I think I worked there. So this is, there's good internet everywhere, but it's all telephone lines. DSL is a gleam in the eye and cable is sort of like the Betamax VHS. They're, they're not there yet, but they're both coming. And people are digging AOL. They really, really like it. Anyway, so they want a Western hub and they put their Western hub in Tucson, I suspect, because Optic Center and not you know, going to cost anywhere near California, but we have the Titan II missiles here. So I suspect that gave us backbone to the internet that other places didn't have because uh, we had some super quick internet back in the day. It's, it was neat. I've never, luckily, I, you know, back, I got to experience internet now, like we got now back then. So it was a different place working for an, an internet company, right? Um, anyway, so AOL had put their West Coast headquarters here in Tucson, and they were growing. So I don't remember exactly anymore. So this is a long time ago, but they were growing. What is it called when they double in size? When your stock splits? I guess it's just called stock splits, right? Yeah, split. So they would give people stock to join the company. It's like that was you know the big thing for internet companies back then. Um, so if you got stock and it's worth a hundred bucks, and now tomorrow you got two stocks. I don't know how it works. They're both worth fifty. Yeah, but then they're both growing. So now you've got two stocks, though, and, you, and they split twice. So I don't know, it had something to do with something. And uh, so then anyway, I had a couple of, well, a friend, and I knew other people that had worked in it. They had moved from, like, you know, here to there. And they were like, hey, check this out. It's a pretty easy job, and it, you get good money. So like I could say, it was inside, sitting in air conditioning, and I was at a point where I was sick of working. So, uh, and I didn't know what the Internet was. I, I understood computers from playing around with them as a kid. Uh, but just for farting around. I'd never been like a super nerd about it. And the internet was not something I was familiar with at that point. So for me, it was just a change to get away from working for real. And uh, couldn't have, I mean, it worked out pretty good for me. Did you guys use AOL? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was the first time I ever on the internet was uh, I could I can hear in the background of my head the little sound it would make when you went on the online it take like you know a minute and a half or two minutes or five years or however long it took yeah because of dial-ups and whatnot I can remember uh, even at AOL we would um, one of the guys had a computer in his closet in his apartment 
because of whatever reason he figured out something and he got faster internet than we did at work so we could you know i think we paid him like seven bucks or something a month if that and then we all piled into his closet to get on the internet because whatever reason his he was closer to the ceo than um, it was weird those were the days Um, so you never took any classes or college or anything on how to do internet websites and stuff. You're just like self-taught on most of this. Oh yeah, 100%. I went to school to learn how to grow mushrooms. I wanted to move to Arizona and grow grow make gourmet mushrooms in copper mines. I wanted to find an abandoned copper mine because you got a consistent temperature down there, and I figured I would uh, you know grow them like how you know like in on shelves you know coming down the hallways of the mines, and then you figure you grow them. And they're fresh for like Phoenix and maybe Albuquerque, however far you can drive them away, for like bed and breakfasts and restaurants and shit. Uh, fresh, maybe farmers market, something like that. And whatever doesn't sell fresh, you dry. And then that wasn't even back in that was back in the day. I wasn't gonna do that on magazines. So now you can do that on the internet, right? You dry whatever uh, you didn't sell. So that's what I wanted to do when I was a kid. First, I wanted to be a cop, and then that wasn't a good time to be a cop back in the day. So I decided after the army and stuff, I'm gonna go grow mushrooms. <laughs> And when I came out here, uh, yeah, that didn't happen as quick as you think. It's not exactly easy to buy a copper mine. Well, I, I agree with you on the one to be a cop when you're a kid. My first degree was in criminal justice, and then I figured out college wasn't that hard. And then I stayed there, and now I'm a teacher. Hmm. Yeah, college was just high school, except a lot less rules, way easier, and better for, like, I like just doing stuff, you know, it, it, if they're going to give you seven minutes or seven hours to do something, you can do it in one. You didn't have to be there for the other six, you know. So I really enjoyed that part about college. You could just go breathe. But I didn't hang around. I didn't, you know, keep taking classes other than whatever. But I, uh, yeah, I went to school for that. And so all my school is like science. And then because of the school I went to, let let me take uh, history instead of language. And I didn't see any need to take language, so I took a ton of Indian history, like prehistory from this area. So I just thought that was really interesting. And then uh, you totally useless for any kind of internet stuff. So when I got to AOL, I mean, like I say, I had had computers, but it was just my parents would give me a computer, and I don't like even back then. I didn't really play video games. I would uh, just fiddle with them in other ways, you know, store my collections of crap in there, like kind of like little virtual. Uh, Rolodexes, or I don't know. I just liked playing with the software, but for the most part, I just farted around, see what they could do. Oh, you know what we like to do is make little videos with VHS tapes, and then figure out ways to get what was on the screen onto, you know, to be our captions or whatever. What do you call like the title pages and stuff like that? So we did do a lot of video when I was a little kid. So we used our computers even back then to try to cram stuff onto the to make our videos seem more like a real movie. Um, anyway, so then, yeah, uh, I learned it all at AOL. They, uh, sit you down when you first join and, and basically, uh, I guess have you go through like a computer aptitude test or something. And I must, uh, I could pretty much tell from right then. I really liked their style about it. They weren't, uh, I don't know if, if it was Case himself that figured it out or if it was, you know, the company had been around long enough to figure out a good way to do it, but whatever it was. Uh, they had a really good attitude about computer stuff. They didn't, they didn't, they, they, they give you a complete knowledge of computers without being so nerdy that it 
you know, Major Eye's role and you really had to be interested to care. Um, they really were able to dumb it down in a way. I think that's why AOL is so successful because the stuff you're dealing with is kind of technical, but I don't know. I guess it was just a good time with computers getting better and Internet's getting strong enough that it worked for them. I don't know about a fallout shelter. I never really even, I only was thinking about the, the growing part of it. I never even thought about what to put out front. And that was the other problem is that these, the copper mines like you know, I'm talking about are up on the side of mountains, like on the side of hills. So there's not very many of them. There's like a nice house next door or like a cheap mobile home next door. Were you already in Tucson when you joined AOL? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was out here. I was working at that restaurant for that restaurant chain. Uh, but anyway, computer stuff, there's no point in going to school for it. I can't see going to school for it. Everybody I've known who's gone to school for it, honestly, is kind of dumb. They teach you stuff that exists, and computers isn't like that. It's like art or something, or it's like writing. Uh, I guess there's some, some value to knowing what's existed or how you got to where you are so that you, you know, a basic knowledge of the development gives you an idea of what you know, direction and momentum the, the tech is going, but because this tech is so virtual and it can have so much, you know, you kind of see from 2020 hindsight now how quickly and massively trends and things can change, you know, uses and things can change. Um, I think it's uh, kind of pointless to go to school. And the, even the, the, background, the background stuff doesn't stay the same. People who went to school five years ago weren't learning the app stuff that they're learning today. And that's almost going to be pointless going forward when they come out with the next thing. All right, well, so we're at another lull. See nothing coming in. So I don't know if this counts as a Q&A thing. Me, it seems kind of weird and awkward, but um, I guess let us know. Well, again, I wanted to do something because we do have a bunch of new Patreons jumping in, and I'm not sure, you know, what to expect with uh, people supporting things financially. It's a little different uh, relationship than what we used to have with uh, YouTube audiences or what you might have with, you know, some kind of other audience. I really do enjoy it. It's I'm looking forward to uh, developing that part of it because honestly I think you can have a lot more not just creative control but you can just you know do more useful stuff um, without having to be a shill for whatever notice some of the other attempts to do things you know that are happening out there uh, are just so much so, so much potential and so some nothing happened so uh, appreciate everybody's uh, continued support we're grateful for that and I'm working with Jimmy to uh, to kind of duplicate, not duplicate effort, how I say it, you know, get two people to get the effort of three, hopefully, and uh, see if we can't take it to another level here. So, you guys aren't saying anything, got Patriot saying, hey, so that's with that, we'll uh, cut it off. I'm working on the uh, decks over here, and appreciate the uh, chance to do one of these and like I say it seems super awkward let me know in the comments if it's worth doing these again otherwise stay tuned we've got uh, kinds of new series happening and whatnot your video pleasures and uh, some other stuff too 
Thanks for answering my questions, G. Yeah, thanks for having some questions to answer. Looking for something to end it with here. Took this one. I'll have to do this one instead. Now we got a commercial. Commercial that I can't skip. So. Oh, black